you find it challenging to get organ meats into your healthy ketogenic lifestyle? Don't you wish you could get all the benefits of consuming these traditional superfoods chock full of nutrients without having to cook or eat them? Well, let me introduce you to the brand new grass-fed organ complex supplement from Paleo Valley, makers of the deliciously juicy grass-fed beef sticks. They use gently freeze-dried ingredients, including all grass-fed, grass-finished beef liver, heart, brain, and kidney to give you a flavorless, power-packed punch of nutrition you won't be able to replicate beyond eating all of these organ meats in your diet. Each bottle contains a 30-day supply of easy-to-swallow pills with the fillers or flow agents added. They're gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. Go to paleovalley.com LLVLC and use the coupon code LLVLC to get a generous 20% off your order. Try it today to get a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee and see how you like the grass-fed organ complex for yourself. That's paleovalley.com slash LLVLC. They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. Fat is smart fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code JimmyLovesFBomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. JimmyLovesFBomb.com. Want to enjoy a sweet cookie and still stay in ketosis? Two friends did just that with Keto Cookie. Christopher and Victor went on the ketogenic diet, lost fat, and felt amazing. But they wanted something sweet and convenient for their busy lifestyle. So they created Keto Cookie and now want to share this sweet satisfaction with you. Is this really keto? Low Carbers tested Keto Cookie with their glucose monitors and were amazed by the results. How is this possible? Keto Cookie is made with non-GMO almond flour, is naturally sweetened with erythritol and monk fruit extract, and has a healthy amount of grass-fed butter, coconut oil, and MCT oil to fuel your day. With less than 2 grams of net carbs, it's the perfect on-the-go snack to keep you energized and ready to inspire the world. Enjoy your chewy childhood favorites like chocolate chip and the cinnamony snickerdoodle, gluten-free, guilt-free, and bake-free. To discover more about Keto Cookie and how two friends are inspiring people to eat smarter but sweeter, visit KetoCookie.com and be sure to use the promo code LLVLC to receive 15% off your order. And follow them on Instagram for exclusive giveaways and specials at Keto cookie. If you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? 
It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor any olive oil you've ever tasted. It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the fresh pressed olive oil club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit. And olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oil direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time, jimmyoliveoil.com. The information and opinions provided here are for educational purposes only and are not intended to provide individual medical advice. Material conversations and statements found herein are not intended as and does not substitute for a personalized doctor-patient relationship. You are listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and Surprise Arizona family physician Dr. Adam Nally. They are here answering the most pressing questions about a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet. Visit our website, ketotalk.com. And now, it's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Here's Jimmy and Adam. Hey, hey, guys, we're back here with episode 59 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website. It's ketotalk.com. And this is the show, this one right here, you guys, on Thursdays, where we talk all about low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat, ketogenic diets. And we are here each and every week for you. I am Jimmy Moore, the international best-selling author of the Ketogenic Cookbook and Keto Clarity. And I'm here with my future co-author and good buddy and pal. He is Dr. Adam Nally. What's up, Adam? Well, hello, Jimmy. And hello, all you Ketonians out there. You found us. You found so, uh, us. Whether you wanted to or not, we're here. <laughs> we're here. Yeah, you're on. You're listening. So. If you accidentally find this show, you went out of your way to accidentally <laughs> find this show. <laughs> Yes, you did. Although keto is becoming more and more popular, uh, people looking for keto. What's funny is, uh, when I first started doing like low carb, live in La Vida low carb back in the day, you know, they were also using low carb for low carbon. So people would be looking for information on low carb, uh, air quality, I guess. <laughs> so, They'll find carbon, carbon, dating <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Yeah, cool. Well, what was funny is some of the journalists would try to be cute and yeah, put, put your car on a low carb diet. And they were talking about carbon emissions. And <laughs> so people oh, would find funny. my show that way. 
<laughs> hey, whatever There's it takes. There's this turkey leg in my gas tank. It's not working. <laughs> it's too lean anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, before we get started, let's talk about a headline that I saw. Bacon, soda, and too few nuts tied to a big portion of U.S. deaths. Did you hear about this one, gorging on bacon and skimping on nuts? These are among food habits that new research links with death from heart disease, stroke, and diabetes, overeating, or not eating enough of the healthful foods and nutrients contributes to about 45% of U.S. deaths from these causes. According to this study, the good foods that were undereaten include nuts and seeds, seafood, uh, salmon, sardines, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, the bad foods or nutrients that were Overeaten includes salt and salty foods, processed meats like bacon, bologna, and hot dogs, red meat, including steaks and hamburgers, sugary drinks as well. And it's based on U.S. government data uh, looking at over 700,000 deaths in 2012 from heart disease, stroke, and diabetes, and on analysis from health surveys. Oh, boy. We know how reliable those are, right? Wink, wink. Oh, yeah. So, uh, anyway... This was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, very prestigious journal. But where are they missing the boat? <laughs> well, the challenge is that you know they looked at dietary factors that are being estimated to to, to cause death. The challenge is they didn't look at. They're looking at all these factors together, which is what they've been doing for 50 years. Yes. You know, when you eat, when you eat carbs and fat together and you add salt to it, you, you create a, um, you know, a, a time bomb, uh, in the human disease body. And that's bomb. <laughs> a disease bomb. You do. And, and that's what you end up seeing. And that's, again, they pointed it out again. They said, you know, you, know, you, you, you eat this dietary standard, which is the standard American diet or the sad diet, which we've referred to 59 times on this podcast, if I recall correctly. Maybe 60. And, um, maybe 60. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what you end up seeing. And then you see increased death, you see increased mortality, you see increased heart disease, you see increased diabetes, you see stroke, you see all of these factors that arise because you're you're overindulging the component of carbohydrate with fat and adding salt to it. And it's, uh, you know, when you, when you add all those factors together, uh, that, that, that becomes the challenge. And they've, and they pointed out again through a series of, uh, reviews and studies and, and, uh, um, comparative risk assessment, essentially yeah. is what they've done. Well, and the unfortunate thing, too, is they just focus on what the people ate, never mind any of their lifestyle issues. Did any of them smoke? Were they drinkers? You know, did, did they have stressful lives? All of those things come into play with death as well. You can't just blame it on the bacon and the soda. Yeah, you 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 really can't because you you the problem is that you you see this pattern of this eating habit and then you blame it on the the factors that are the highest in that diet. Well, it could be one, it could be none, it could be something completely separate. And that's the that's the sad part about these types of diets is they you know they lump everything together and say, look, all of these people died earlier because they had more bacon and soda and, yeah. and not enough nuts. And you know you you can say, well, yeah, my you know my my car stopped running. Um, because it's snowy outside, but I have two flat tires and nobody mentioned that. So, it, you know, that's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, it's what's missing is, is what they're not talking about. That's the challenge. And it could be that the people that are most stressed turn to bacon to uh, help soothe the pain. And so bacon shows up in the same data points and, <laughs> you know, we all love bacon. There you so go. You, you, but it, it's the, the challenge is you, you, when you add the bacon to the carbs, that's where you start to have problems. Absolutely. It's not the bacon and it's not the butter. Don't blame the butter for what the bread did. Don't bo bake. Don't go bacon my heart. There you go. 
We're going to have another question about bacon here in a minute. I'm really excited to hear you, oh, hear oh, you yes, extrapolate sir. on. But before, <laughs> before we get to that, uh, we have uh, another headline that caught my attention. I've actually been watching a lot of the the basketball with the NCAA tournament going on, Sweet 16 happening this weekend, and the NBA. And so one of the NBA stars is Clay Thompson from the Golden State Warriors. And I saw this art, this uh, TV ad with him shooting hoops and saying, oh, yeah, and I, I uh, sustained my performance. And 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 uh, have a good post out uh, post workout meal of chocolate milk, and so chocolate milk kind of is getting this really high prominence right now. And somebody sent me this link to this Wisconsin Dairy Council promoting chocolate milk. Win with chocolate milk. I'm assuming you saw the video. What did you think about their evidence that chocolate milk is a good post workout uh, drink? If if chocolate milk was a good post workout drink, I would look like Arnold Schwarzenegger I know, today, right? and I don't. <laughs> I love that so, growing up, man. Low fat chocolate oh, milk was like that was what you look forward to going to the lunchroom for. You know, we we went to PE, and after PE, we came back and we drank chocolate milk. And and the challenge is that we all got pudgier as we went. And so yes. to, to to say that you know chocolate milk is the post workout drink, I, I, it's interesting. It, it's interesting to see the spin they put on this. Um, because in every statement, it says it might, it will, it right. helps. It doesn't say it does it. It just says it helps. It could be part of, contributes it might to. be, it contributes to. And it's like, and you have to read what they're saying. And then there's no branding on this big old chocolate milk that this guy's chugging, no. except for the dairy council's little symbol at the very bottom. And I'm right. going, oh my gosh, this is just marketing. It's it, the, the dairy company, the, you know, the dairy council, bless their hearts. They've got a market and, and. All more power to them because they're, they're the ones that make our butter, but they're also pushing chocolate milk, which from the perspective of, of an obese society is, is a challenge. The thing that got me the most was when he said in that uh, little link, and we're going to provide the link at ketotalk.com. Go check it out. But uh, he, he said in there, it has the perfect balance of carbohydrates, fat and protein that you need for building your body, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, perfect amount. Okay, chocolate milk is probably the highest carb milk that you could possibly put in your mouth because you've got to put sugar in with that chocolate in addition to the natural sugars that are in the low fat, low fat. And they're really emphasizing that one. Um, chocolate milk. It's just it's amazing to me that they get away with this. Well, you, you know, there's 25 grams of carbs per cup of regular milk. And yes. That's 2%. That's 2% milk. Right. Um, you know, they're pushing that to at least 50 to 60 grams of carbs per cup. Now there's at least three cups in that, that little gla- that, that bottle he's swigging there. So you know that he's, he's taking at least a hundred to 150 grams of carbohydrate with that drink. And, and that's, that's more than a person needs per day right. uh, to, to, to function. So it's uh some i'm assuming he got paid well for his spot i, I hope <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure clay thompson got a pretty penny because they're, they're pushing this hard and the the problem is this whole chocolate milk discussion is all based on really really bad science and yet bad science that's repeated often enough people be- begin to believe it really it is and, and they're and again it's they're pushing the the uh, food pyramid that's been spread out onto a food plate is what they're pushing and you 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 continue to see it from advertisement that it's, it's never changes they're just pushing that low fat um mantra again and of course chocolate milk tastes so good to people they get that what hedonic response and they'll have a second glass and then it, you're just off the rails at that point 
It is impossible to drink one glass of chocolate milk. <laughs> I just, we used to I get as many myself. as we could. Those little cartons when we were kids in elementary school, I would get as many as they would allow me to have. I think I got five one time. <laughs> oh, in my in my elementary school, there was like a trade. There was a whole trade union going on with the kids. You know, with, I'll give you they, my they banana would, for your chocolate milk. Oh, they were trading out chocolate milk for all sorts of stuff. It was. Yeah, we all we learned entrepreneurship in third grade. There you go. Sharing chocolate milk. That's really how it worked. I think. Yeah. Nobody wanted the salad <laughs> No. <laughs> or the jello. <laughs> no, there was that. There was one one kid that liked the Jello, but the rest of us that, liked the that. Was the weirdo kid though? He's always the one that picked his nose, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> moving, oh, the memories <laughs> moving right along. Until our our childhood was a long time ago. So uh, we did have a question uh, about bacon, and this one is from Seth. Seth Seth says, "Hello, Jimmy and the Doc. I've been listening to Keto Talk almost every day since I found you. Thank you." Thank you very much for this very valuable resource. But I got to ask you something that's been bugging me, though. What's up with the doc's love of bacon? Yeah, what's up with that, doc? Every bacon package that I've ever looked at uh, has sugar, maple syrup, or both in the ingredients list. Is the sugar amount so negligible that we don't need to worry about it? Thank you for explaining this to me, Seth. So I, I thought we'd start with a fun question today because this is something that comes up from time to time. People are like, wow, Dr. Nally always posts on Instagram all these pictures about bacon. Is he so obsessed about bacon? Yes, yes, he is. The question is, why is the doc so obsessed with bacon when it seems to include sugar in the ingredients? So how do you balance that in your head? Well, Seth, first, thank you for watching out for me. I appreciate that. I really do. You got a lot um, of people I, that care I, about you, man. Oh, and I appreciate <laughs> that. I do. I greatly do. I, now, the, the, I, I'm honored that Seth is actually checking labels. That's that's important. True. And and, and it, what's also important to understand is that in just about any cut of meat, you're going to have between one to two grams of natural carbohydrate present. That's always going to be there. Now, I don't know where you're buying your bacon from, but I don't, we, we don't buy the maple, maple syrup flavored or any of those uh, sugar cured bacons. We just buy, if I'm going to buy bacon, it's peppered bacon. Um, and I'm going to usually try to buy it in, in, in its, in its most, um, natural state wherever I can find it. Have you got or the smoked? Smoke yeah, yeah. Smoked that works too. Yeah. Um, and, and, Unfortunately, in any in any you know slice of meat, there's going to be one to two grams of carbs. That's glycogen that's in the muscle. It's it's going to be there, and that's why we we give you that fudge factor of 20 grams of carbs per day. And so, but but you, I I personally you know have had the maple flavored bacon, and and you know five or six slices kicks me out of ketosis because it's it's been it's been uh, uh, marinated or or uh, flavored with with maple or or sh- brown sugar things like that. If you if you pick that kind of bacon, so. Um, I just love bacon. I mean, we all have a love and, and one of mine is bacon and, and bacon seems to go really well with a lot of f- philosophical thought. So uh, that's why I post it. It just, it just, that just floats my boat. So whatever, <laughs> that's really what it is. Um, I, I usually will have, um, you know, every morning I have about, I have three eggs and we cook them in bacon fat and, um, my wife, I should say my wife does that for me. She's very kind that way. And then I'll usually have either some, a piece of, a piece of bacon or two or a piece of sausage, something like that. Really, um, uh, I'm, I'm just, that's my flavor. You know, some, some people like waffles. Yeah. I'm a bacon guy. Well, and at the end of the day, you look at bacon and of course they can technically put zero carbs on the package, even though there might be negligible amounts of sugar in it. I think the fat content that's in 
bacon so supersedes that minuscule amount of sugar. I, I think when you get to that level of worry uh, about a food like that and it's showing up as a zero gram carb, which it could be 0.4, whatever, uh, you're still getting so much more abundance of good stuff in the fat and the minimal protein that you would get from bacon that it's not worth belly aching about. It, it isn't. And, I, and I've and Seth's not alone in asking me this question because I've right. had a number of people say, Dr. Nelly, you know, how do you not eat? You know, how do you eat bacon? Because it has two grams of carbs per slice, you know, in the ones that I buy. Well, you know, it, I, under, I understand that. And I understand that, that that's the case. What I also understand is that I'm looking for I'm looking for foods that have that are, that are natural, that are going to give me the highest content of fat to protein that I can get. Yeah. Now, that's usually going to be red meat or pork and is what it's going to be. Red meat yeah. is if you were to just average it out, red meat's about 55 percent fat. Pork's about 45 percent fat, depending on how you slice it, how you cook it. How you not the lean it. cuts, of course. Not the lean cuts, of course, of course. And it's not turkey bacon. Turkey bacon turkey is a swear bacon. word in my house. Don't let that that's bacon a, die in vain. <laughs> <laughs> that's a swear word in my house. We don't turkey use the bacon. C word for calories and we don't use the, uh, the the t word for turkey bacon that's bad um yeah. yeah so but but and then if you're then if you're adding fat to it you're cooking eggs and butter you're using butter you're using additional baking grease in your pan you're actually ramping the fat content up even higher uh than 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 it already is in the processed form that they're they're selling it to you so is i guess you could say it's negligible although if if you're a purist and you want to add all those numbers up more power to you um that that I've had some patients, the stress of that alone kicks them out of ketosis. So I don't want you to worry too much about that. But if you're eating the entire pound of bacon, it will kick you out of ketosis. <laughs> or either, yeah, because you're either going to eat too much protein, or right. you bought the maple cover that has you know brown sugar in it, and it may it may actually spike the carbs there too. So it's a very good question, and I appreciate all those that are that are asking that question. And Doctor Nally, just that's you know that's one of my things. I I wake up every morning. And I, I literally wake up thinking, I get to have eggs and butter and either bacon and sausage. And for dinner, I might get lucky and get a ribeye wrapped in bacon. There you and go. And so that's, that's just my life. Well, and Christine is a bacon fiend in this household. I buy her the thick cut bacon from Sam's Club. And, and we love that. And we get the that's smoked what we use. version. And yeah, that if you get that little paper thin stuff from Oscar Mayer, please kick yourself in the hiney because you're missing out. <laughs> On what the really good stuff is. Um, I, I don't know the name brand, but it's from Sam's Club. And it's that really thick, comes in like a big two-pack. And Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's gone up in price. It was like, when I first started buying it, it was like 11 bucks. Now it's almost $20, but worth every penny. And Christine loves like five, six slices in the morning. That's my little, that's, that's my little routine to get her going in the mornings. And they make a peppered bacon that's really good too. So if you like a little little spice to your bacon, that that also does too. And and, and we, we we shop the same place, Sam's Club. They probably get half my paycheck every, every month. But it's, um, Between them uh, and Costco, exactly. We need to get them as a sponsor. <laughs> I that's know, right? <laughs> uh, so Seth, thank you for that question, and go eat some bacon. Cheers, my friend. Well, special thank you to Calvert Bo. Daniel from Ethiopia and Charles, all of them gave us a donation this past week, and you can give us a donation as well to keep this show on the air. Go to paypal.me slash ketotalk, or you can uh, go to ketotalk.com and click on the donate button. Any amount definitely helps us, uh, keeps us on the air, and we have some very faithful ketonians, Adam, who give us on a monthly basis. So if you want to set up automatic monthly payments 
Uh, we sincerely appreciate everybody that supports this show, both financially and by listening. So thank you guys very much. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, let's get to the study portion of the show before we get to the featured questions. And this study, uh, it was an interesting one. As soon as I saw it, I went, oh, boy, the doc's going to have some fun with this one. So it was out of the Atlantic, the scientist harnessing toxic fat in a bid to save his father. A physiologist is helping explain why being thin doesn't guarantee metabolic health. Now, this is an extraordinarily long article, so I'm not going to try to read it here on the air in totality. Uh, but basically, this guy, uh, you know, was trying to figure out this whole thing about toxic fat. Um, and he, and he looked at what would impact fat levels and he started noticing Uh, Things like ceramides are a family of waxy lipids uh, that have been called toxic fat, as they were in the press release for this guy Summers, his study that was published in the journal Cell Metabolism. And so with researchers, they clarified uh, toxic fat is an accurate, non-sensational term in that ceramides are involved in the process of lipotoxicity. So before I get too deep in the weeds reading uh, some of this, why don't you kind of give us an overview of uh, the research, Adam, and what does it mean to us ketonians? Well, it's actually quite fascinating, and you know, this is one of those questions that uh, you know, when I when I see a, a significant number of diabetics in my office, you know, one of the and one of the unanswered questions is what is the, what is the actual driving force behind the broken signaling mechanism with insulin and diabetes? You know, we know that insulin uh, type two diabetes is really the fourth stage of insulin resistance, and it's this progressive worsening of the ability of the body to signal the presence of glucose, and then and then produce the appropriate amount of insulin. And response to that and then have the insulin be effectively uh, efficient enough to lower the sugar but not cause problems to arise uh, if that makes sense Mm -hmm. now um scott summers who's a a a researcher i think he's out of the university of utah um they published a study in cell cell uh, metabolism uh last year which was actually quite fascinating identifying that that there there is a uh a a molecule called a ceramide that's in the adipose cell, and it's also found in the the cell wall of every cell as well. And that the the, the fewer ceramides you have, the less likely you are to have type two diabetes. Um, they actually think, based on some of the data that they've got, that this ceramide may also be acting like a a neurotransmitter, meaning that it's a signaling molecule itself, and that the higher presence of ceramide may, in some capacity, be um, blockading or or causing the signal block in patients between insulin and uh, diabetes. And so um, there's a lot of research that's still out there to be done. But what the, what the article does in a story form, which you pointed out on, on the link there, Jimmy, which is actually kind of interesting, is that because of our stigma with obesity and diabetes, and that stigma mean, well, it's just a, a form of gluttony, a lot of researchers have, have it had a mental block in looking further for what's the signaling blockade because we just think, well, this is just a psychological gluttony issue. Yeah. And, and what, what Scott points out is that there's a, there's a whole field that's available to us to look at. And ceramides are one of these that's just the cutting edge and the, the tip of the iceberg in regards to how this signaling is occurring between insulin and the cells. 
And this is the first step, realizing that the types of fats that we're using, the way we store our fat because of the higher glucose, the triglycerides, the leptins, and all the other other hormones that are there may play a significant role in raising or lowering the, lowering the ceramide levels. And the ceramide being one of these components of fat that that the more of it you have, the more essentially toxic it becomes. And that's, a, that's kind of a 30,000-foot broad spectrum yeah. of what he's pointing out here. But it really is a good question. It's an important question. And it's one that that nobody really has the answer to. And I'm really excited to see that that they're doing research in this area. And it's a great article. So you got to read it. Yeah, I really liked in there where they talked about the ceramide synthesis being blocked, uh, stating that fat cells can burn more calories and become more sensitive to insulin. And it also helps to increase the number of beige or brown adipose cells. And they went into a great detail about the brown good fat versus the white fat. And uh, so anyway, go check that out, you guys. The name of the uh, article, again, The Scientist Harnessing Toxic Fat. We'll have a link to it in the show notes at ketotalk.com. I'm going to make a prediction that Bacon fat lowers ceramide levels. That's my prediction. Now, in 10 years, we need to look back at the show and go, was Dr. Nelly right? Does bacon fat lower ceramide? And that's, that's what probably, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, Seth will call me and go, Dr. Nelly. <laughs> but uh, that's my prediction. But my thing is, who's going to have the kahunas to step up and, and do that study uh, with, you know, there might be kind of a, Oh my gosh, you can't do that to people. You'll kill them with a heart attack. But <laughs> maybe, well, maybe those days are ending. Well, and that may, and you know, and interesting enough, that may be why those of us that are doing true ketogenic diets are seeing a reversal in insulin resistance over a period of 18 to 24 months. Right. In that, in that as we shift the type of fat that that ceramide level may be lowering, you know, that's, that's just a hypothesis or an extrapolation from what we're hearing. But that's, that's, I hope a question that some of our researchers will start looking at. Yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) So let's pause here for a quick sponsor. We'll be right back. Are you an athlete who eats a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet? Then let me introduce you to GoKetoAthlete.com. It's your one-stop source to find books, articles, movies, podcasts, and a member's blog all about maximizing your athletic performance using the keto lifestyle. GoKetoAthlete.com is set to become the world's largest directory of resources and expert knowledge on all things keto for that weekend warrior and elite competitor alike. They do this by cataloging the unique and collective experiences of its members all in one place. Start your free trial today and become a member of this rapidly growing community of like-minded athletes. Get yours at GoKetoAthlete.com and be sure to use the coupon code LLDLC at checkout to receive a complimentary 60-day membership to try it out for yourself. GoKetoAthlete.com Are you looking for an online store that would have all your ketogenic products in one place? Then let me introduce you to OneStopKeto.com. Once you get there, you'll see personally selected products by me, and they do have the largest selection of keto-friendly products. There are no membership fees, and you'll get free shipping on all orders over $99. Use the coupon code KETOTALK for an additional special discount for listeners of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. They ship to the U.S. and Canada, and they have five-star amazing customer service. If you have any questions and looking for specific products, they are there for you. So head on over to OneStopKeto.com. 
you looking for high quality supplements to complement your healthy, low carb, high fat, ketogenic lifestyle? Well, look no more as I've teamed up with ketogenic practitioner and my Keto Talk podcast co-host, Dr. Adam Nally, to create the Keto Living line of supplements. Go to ketoliving.com to see our first two items available for you, the Keto Essentials Multivitamin and the Berberine Plus Blood Sugar Control Formula. Dr. Nally himself hand-selected the key nutrients included in the Keto Essentials Multivitamin, including vitamin D, methylated folate for those with the MTHFR gene mutation, vitamin B12, CoQ10, and so much more. And if you are concerned about elevated blood sugar and cholesterol levels, then check out our customized product called Berberine Plus, which combines the anti-inflammatory power of berberine with therapeutic levels of chromium and bonobo leaf. And we're just getting started on the Keto Living brand of ketogenic-focused supplements in 2017, including the first-ever high-fat meal replacement powder to help you ditch those problematic protein powders coming soon. Go to ketoliving.com to get your hands on these exciting new supplements to enhance your ketogenic diet. Ketoliving.com We're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, and we are up to the portion of the show where we address your questions all about ketogenic diets, and you can submit your question. Go to ketotalk.com, click on the send us your questions. That goes directly to my email box, and my email girl will take care of that, put you in order. We're up to like September last year. (laughs) I'm trying so hard to get caught up, but it's just you guys have been awesome sending us so many questions. It's just they've piled up, and so let's get to... To Marcus, uh, his, he's got the first question. Dear Jimmy and Adam, I really appreciate how Keto Talk helps listeners put the science of ketogenic living into practice. The fact that you two live what you teach is awesome. I listened to some of your shows when I was doing my N equals one experiment of a 30 mile hiking adventure powered mostly by ketones. Oh boy, that's awesome, man. Almost no carbs were consumed doing this, just water, MCT oil, and some exogenous ketones along with a low-carb meal in the evening. At the end of the experiment, I felt great. Although I love to run, I walked for this experiment at a steady heart rate of about 100 to 115 beats per minute. My question for you is this. While I burned around 6,000 calories according to my Fitbit data, I consumed only about 2,000 calories, mostly from leafy greens, olive oil, macadamia nuts, eggs, coconut oil, and MCT oil to satiety. So how did I burn 6,000 calories while only consuming 2,000 calories in my diet? Thanks. I'm keto for life, Marcus. So Marcus has a great question to kick off these feature questions. Where did the extra 4,000 calories worth of energy come from to power my hiking excursion when I only consumed 2,000 calories? And here's where basic physiology of a ketonian comes into play, Adam, because if you're a sugar burner, you have about 2,000 calories worth of energy on your body at your disposal at any given moment. And when that's gone, you got to refuel. But when you're a fat and ketone burner, here's the dirty little secret, you guys. You actually have... Get this, 60,000 calories worth of energy on your body of a lean person. So I don't know what Marcus's weight situation is, but let's just imagine he's lean. He had plenty of energy to make up that 4,000 calorie deficit that powered him through his experiment, right? 
Oh, easy, easy. Yeah. And that, 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 no one, no one ever talks about the 6,000, the 60,000 calories you have available to yourself if you can access your ketones. Um, you know, Marcus, you powered yourself on ketones is what you did. You essentially, you know, lived off of the fuel, the ATP that was produced from, from mobilizing and burning ketones. Now, the other component that, that, doesn't go into the calculation is altitude plays a role there. Marcus's ability to process fuel and produce that ATP may be slightly different. So just because Fitbit said it was 6,000 doesn't right. mean it was, <laughs> but th- there's, there's a whole slew of things. And the only way to truly measure that is to, it would be to actually have him walk in a bubble and measure every bit of respiration oh, and all boy. of the food. And yeah, he would, he would have to live in a bubble while he walks. And that's, that can be somewhat challenging, but it, the, the amazing thing to see is Marcus's point pointed out that you very easily access those 60,000 calories you have available to use when you're in ketosis and you feel fantastic when you do it. Yeah. So Marcus, you're my hero, man. That was really awesome uh, to do an N equals one 30 mile hiking adventure, basically uh, fasting during the day and having the low carb meal, a substantial low carb meal at night and and not really rushing it, not really uh, trying to hike it really hard. He just walked it. Um, you know, that that's an inspiring story. I'd love to see his story in a blog or something. Maybe I can get oh, you yeah. on my podcast, Marcus, cool. to talk about it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Marcus, hit me up. <laughs> All right. So we're up to the second featured question of the day. This one's from Travis. Hey, guys, I'm a 34-year-old male. I've been keto for a little more than a year. I've lost 40 pounds while improving health issues with my thyroid, blood pressure, and cholesterol. I check my ketone levels often, and my energy is better than it's been in a decade my question for you is regarding the mental clarity and uplifted mood that I initially enjoyed when I started keto. After that initial boost in my brain health, I feel like I'm back at baseline again with mental fog and a flat mood. I take a daily multivitamin as well as a combination of magnesium, potassium, and calcium supplements. Other than the occasional MCT oil or exogenous ketones for my workouts, I don't take any other medications or supplements. Do you have any thoughts on why my brain health benefits from being in ketosis have seemingly disappeared? Travis. So Travis wants to know what happened to that mental clarity and improved mood that I experienced from my ketogenic diet early on and how do I get them back? Now, I've never heard people losing their uh, their mental benefits and that's the big reason why a lot of people do keto. Uh, what's going on? Did he Did he trigger it somehow with any of these supplements or something else? You know, it, it's very possible. And he, he says he checks his levels often and it's better than it has been. I guess my question would be, where is it at? Right. Um, you know, I, I, I personally didn't really truly experience the mental clarity and, and I don't unless my ketone levels go above 1.0. Above one. That's me too. Yeah. I don't, I don't experience And, and for a year, for a year and a half, um, I lived in a, in the 0.3 to the 0.8 level and I felt good in the weight stayed down and I could, I, I felt great energy wise, but the true mental clarity that, that, that brain fog lifting, lifting didn't really uh, improve until that the ketone level goes up above that. And so there's a number of ways that I do that to, to help myself get into that, that, that phase. And, and we've talked about that before, but so that would be the first question is what is his actual ketone level? Number one, number two, um, there is a, there's a good chance that his thyroid could be off and his thyroid could be playing a role there. Yeah. Uh, there's a good chance that some, one of his supplements is doing it to him. Uh, there's a chance that uh, th- that his he's taking in a little too much protein and that he's shifting in and out of that ketotic state too quickly and he's not experiencing that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's a whole, and then there's another number of other metabolic issues. And so I would almost be inclined to say, Travis ought to, you know, get, at least get some baseline blood work check to make sure that there's nothing metabolically causing that to happen. Uh, and then other factors are stress, sleep, um, re- recovery from exercise, things of that nature. A lot of people don't uh, give themselves adequate time to recover from exercise if they're physically active. They don't, they don't get enough sleep or they just have a very stressful lifestyle and they're not able to recover um, from the stress. And that uh, cortisol component, even though you may be able to stay in ketosis, isn't letting you feel mentally clear. And I'm wondering if uh, boosting his exogenous ketones and or MCT oil that he does for his workouts, if he did that at other times of the day, maybe that would give him even the psychological boost of, okay, I'm okay, uh, that maybe the stress of this uh, basically uh, bogging him down might be counterproductive for the endogenous formation of, of adequate levels of ketosis to have those benefits. Very possible. You know, myself personally, I've been testing myself with um, four and five doses of exogenous ketones per day. And I've found that that actually helps me stay at a higher level. And I feel more mentally clear when I do that. Um, And and, but I'm tremendously insulin resistant. So that's what I've had to do to really find myself in that window. Uh, That's really important. Now, one last component, and we've mentioned it before, uh, would be an an MTHFR deficiency. Yes. Um, I find... Yes, MTHFR, <laughs> uh, the methyl tetrahydrofolate acid. Uh, if you're if you are deficient in your conversion of that, even though you're supplementing B6 and 12, you're not going to effectively use them within the cell. And I find that it's a pretty high percentage in my office that actually has some degree of deficiency, and that can play a role with that mental clarity issue, with depression, anxiety, things of that nature. And so that's something that you may want to look into getting checked out. And then that's um, you know the uh, 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 plug for the vitamins that, at KetoLiving.com. It contains that pre-converted methylfolate, mm-hmm. um, which, would, which would replace that. So that's something to consider looking at to see, do you really need that piece uh, to, to add to the puzzle? And what would they ask for if they went to their doctor to run the MTHFR? What's the name of the test? It, it actually is called an M, capital M, T-H-F-R test, and it can be done through saliva or through blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this, and now, is there I one know, better I, than the other? You know, there, that I've seen, no, uh, the salivary test comes back. It's a true DNA test there, right. but they all, Sonora Quest also runs there. And I don't know, LabCorp may be doing it too. I don't for, for sure because Sonora came to me and said, Hey, we have it in the blood test form now too. And often that's covered by insurance uh, where the salivary test may not be. Oh, really? so, so that's, yes. Oh, so that's wow. something to consider. Yeah. So something to, to look at there as well. How about that? One other thing, Travis, that I saw in your supplements that you take, you take a calcium supplement and you, Probably don't need to do that because you get adequate calcium in a ketogenic diet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's taking a lot of the, the key electrolytes there and that should be helping you. So let us know how the uh, information we shared today helps you out. And we're up to the third featured question of the day. This one's from Nate. Hey, Jimmy and the doc. Thank you so much for keeping this podcast going. I have a question I haven't heard an answer to yet, and I'd love to have you and Doc Nally chime in about it. I'm a very active 21-year-old lifting weights three to four times a week and doing some form of cardio two to three times a week. I'm new to keto. I've noticed slightly less energy during some workouts while my body is still adapting to using fat as fuel instead of carbs. I'm confident after listening to your podcast that the shift from sugar burner to fat burner will happen smoothly in due course. Wow, he's already learned that. That's awesome. 
So here is my tricky question. I have a cruise coming up, uh uh-oh, in a few months when I'll mostly or most certainly be fat adapted by then. On the cruise, I know there will be a wealth of fresh fruits, fancy drinks, as well as other carb-heavy treats. I've been looking forward to this vacation for a while. I don't see why I shouldn't eat a week of indulging in garbage as I don't have any health worries at all. So here's what I want to know. After this week of very high carbohydrate eating, will I have to start completely from scratch again or will my body quickly switch back to using fat for fuel when I commence eating keto? I don't care too much about having to go through a week of feeling tired and not 100%, but Will it take another one to two months like the first time did? I really don't want to go through all that again. Thanks for your feedback, Nate. So Nate wants to know, if I'm healthy and I want to splurge with carbs on a cruise, will my body quickly become fat adapted again, or will I need to start all over again? That's a great question, Nate. And and, uh, interestingly enough, you're like the 12th person that's asked me that question in the last probably month. I don't know how many often you get that question, Jimmy. There's a, well, (laughs) and I don't know if it, if there's something on the internet that's making people implying that they have to do that again. But but, uh, what's important for people to understand first is what is, what is, what exactly is uh, fat adaptation? Fat adaptation really is, is two, two, two specific components. Number one, it's the ability for the gut to absorb the medium and long chain triglycerides more effect- effectively into the bloodstream and, and you have to upregulate receptors for that and the second component is that you have to upregulate receptors actually in the cells to move the fat into the cell more effectively so it can be processed in the mitochondria uh, and, or, and or the liver wherever you, wherever your body's processing it and so the important thing to understand is that the adaptation process is the upregulation of receptors into the cell wall of either the gut or the cells themselves and, uh, and the liver now that process takes anywhere between six to eight weeks. Um, once you're fat adapted, that pro- as long as you're following a, a ketogenic type diet, you will remain fat adapted because your body, you're, you're offering your body a certain fuel type and it adapts to that fuel type. Now, if you cheat and splurge on a cruise, and I, there's two reasons I would say be cautious with that in a minute, but, but I would say if you just decide I'm just going to blow it and I'm going to eat cheesecake and, um, you know, uh, pie every night for for the next week then cheesecake um, and pie diet i think we could sell a book for that we could there's probably a book in that i can see that yes um, and let me introduce you to the cardiologist that's going to do your bypass afterwards yeah, exactly um, uh the uh you you will remain fat adapted um, for upwards of two to three months, the, the adaptation occurs when you shift back to the standard American or the sad diet, your body then adapts back to what you've been eating. So if you cheat for a week, you're, you're still going to be fat adapted and you'll be able to switch back. Now, wh- one of the things you're going to notice though, when you are fat adapted is that when you do cheat, you're going to feel like you have a hangover the next morning when you eat those carbs because your body is going to see a ramped up inflammation and a, and a ramped, you'll, you'll probably see GI upset, distress, and maybe even some diarrhea. And that's not even the alcohol, Nate. (laughs) Exactly. That's the carbs. Um, and, and, and so those of us that have done this long enough and realize when we've cheated on birthdays or anniversaries, whatever, you know, you, you start to think after the second or third time, I don't know if I really want to do that (laughs) because I feel so good you know, and remember on a cruise, there's a low carb cruise, by the way, that Jimmy's been doing now for eight, Ten is this years. Eight? Ten, 10 years. years. Yep. Um, and we, you know, I've been on that cruise twice and Jimmy's been doing it 10 years. I hit that cruise. There's all the fat on there you want. Yeah. And real butter. And, and it's, yeah, there's real butter. It's, it's great. And it's easy to maintain a, a low carb or ketogenic diet on a cruise. That's easy. Now, 
some people will cheat and that's okay. And if it's, if it's vacation, you want to cheat, great. But the adaptation question coming back to that, it, it takes two or three months of shifting back to a, a crappy diet to, to unadapt, uh, if that makes sense. So Nate, just don't go on a two to three month cruise and you're good to go, buddy. There you go. <laughs> It's probably a six or seven day cruise. Uh, he didn't say, but I'm assuming most of them are about that length. But Nate, thank you for that question. And yeah, it's very common that people kind of want permission, Adam. Uh, can I go off plan? Yeah, you can go off plan and realize you're going to feel the consequences of that. So uh, if you're willing to go through all that, um, go for it. And he's 21. So maybe when he's 41, things will be different and, and maybe he'll want to stick to the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but you know, I, I have a lot of people come to me saying, "Doc, I cheated, and I don't, I don't want to do that again." You know, and 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 they'll, you, you. Sometimes it's important just to experience it, just to go, "Yeah, this is what happens when you your body's adapted to really good fat, and all of a sudden you shift back." It, it, it's a learning curve. Well, and one telltale sign that you're fat adapted, I hear this a lot too. People say, "Like, well, I had a whole bunch of junk on like a cruise, and I got back, and I didn't gain any weight because their body oh, yeah. was still in that really high ramped up." fat burning mode. Okay. You gave it a lot extra glucose for that week, but your body was still in that mode where it was burning fat for fuel pretty efficiently. Yeah. And it will remain, it'll remain in that mode and have that ability to do it when you reintroduce the, the you know, the, the fat back to it. Right. Um, and, and without a problem at all. Yeah. Well, Nate, thank you for your question. And we're up to the keto talk mailbox. And this one is from Tim. Do you notice all the questions for, were from guys today? I didn't plan it that way. It just turned out that's the way it was. So, Go dudes. Uh, so uh, Tim says, hi, guys. Great show. And thank you for putting out amazing content on a weekly basis. I'm a type one diabetic who suffered a heart attack about a year ago. I switched my diet to a plant based vegan diet initially and then transitioned into a vegan ketogenic diet. My question for you guys is why has my insulin resistance seemingly increased on the ketogenic diet? Oh, we got a lot to say about this one. My levels of Lantus and Novo Rapid insulin have nearly tripled. I used to eat six meals a day of high protein, low carb and medium fat. I now eat two to three meals a day in the proper ketogenic ratios consisting of 120 to 150 grams of protein, 30 to 50 grams of carbs and around 200 grams of fat. My ketone levels are between 1 to 2.5 millimolar on my blood ketone meter. I seem to be doing everything right but can't get my insulin resistance in order. I'm pretty sure that inflammation was what caused my heart attack as my cholesterol levels were very low. So my main focus of going keto is to reduce this inflammation. Do you have any idea, gee I wonder, what is going on that I don't seem to be getting better on keto? Thank you for your help, Tim. So Tim has a question, why hasn't my insulin resistance improved as a type 1 diabetic when I'm seemingly doing everything right? And obviously, there's so many things jumping off the page on this one, Adam, but the protein is still extraordinarily high. And I'm wondering if he's listening to some of those high protein keto people online and it's confused him. He must be. That's that's the only thing I can think of. Um, you know, I, I I back through that protein, and that's a protein level for somebody who's six who's six nine. So uh, either Tim is really <laughs> so tall. Tim, are you a basketball player? Yeah. 
<laughs> and he might be. He may be a he may he be, be. A, a real tall six nine basketball player. I don't know. But that's that's way too much protein for the average bear. Um, the other concern is my my next question was I realize he's a type one diabetic and he's probably um, taking a little more carbs because of the fudge factor. Right. But I have multi, I have many type one diabetics who are well controlled and, and monitor their sugar very closely. They keep their carbs somewhere between you know fifteen to to, to thirty five and they do very well. Um, the issue now the the, the the first the first thing that I would look at is if his insulin level has actually tripled, that means either his pancreas is, is, has literally failed yeah. and he's now having to completely compensate with exogenous insulin to control that, that, right. that blood sugar, which may be a factor. And I, and I, unfortunately I have a number of patients, my father being one of them that at a certain point in time, um, their pancreas is literally just gave up. And they had to completely supplement all insulin, with, you know, exogenously in order to, to 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 survive and stay alive. And that that unfortunately happens. You know, the pancreas burns out in in some cases. The hope is that we catch you soon enough that we can improve the overall pancreatic function. But that may be number one. Number two, protein, as we commented about. Number three, that that carbohydrate level is really high, is really a little high yeah. for what I'm comfortable with uh, in that regard. Should it be and twenty. It should be like 20 to 25. Yeah. And I, I give my, I give my type one type patients, you know, 30 to 40 as a fudge factor when they first start because I, I don't want them to crash. Right. But I, but I, but we, we, we work closely to try to get it down to, to 20 if we can. And they actually do very well that way. Um, and usually we cut their, when that happens, their insulin load is cut in a, to a third of what they're normally taking. To see his triple means there's something else going on there that we're, we're missing. And that's, that's what bothers me about this question is way too much protein, too much carb. Um, you know, what it, is his pancreas still producing any insulin? Yeah. You know, we, we, we want to see it, it, the issue is if you're a type one diabetic, you most of the time you've you've moved past the insulin resistance phase to where you're experiencing some pancreatic failure. Now, I have some 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 insulin resistant. I have some some type two patients that were progressed to using insulin that we've been able to reverse their need for insulin, but their pancreases were able to, to heal and improve. That process takes 18 to 24 months to do, but they did and they've done well. Now I know that there are some patients that were, you know, switched right over to insulin just because they were told they were type two by their doctor. And that was the first thing they did. Those patients, we've been able to take off insulin immediately. Um, but patients that have been on insulin long term or longer term, um, because their pancreases have slowed down or failed, we have to be we have to watch those closely, and there is a chance that we might not get complete fit pancreatic function back in some of those cases. So I'm wondering if the vegan portion of his ketogenic diet, maybe some of the, the I mean, I'm trying to think how you would get 150 grams of protein on a vegan ketogenic diet. Is it, is it pea protein? I'm trying to think where would that be coming from, and that could be stimulating a lot of the need for insulin. The only thing I could think of that would be palatable is legumes and tofu. And then, and then that's a whole, and if it is tofu, you know, if you're, if you're, you're getting your protein from that, those sources, yeah. um, you're going to see some, some significant estrogen issues right. and that's going to change a whole lot of issues in regards to, you know, male, uh, testosterone and, and, um, weight gain and things of that nature. So, um, if it's truly still a vegan uh, level and he's getting that much protein, um, uh, my worry is, if it's coming from legumes, there's a whole lot more carbohydrate in that than he's uh, than he sees, right. or maybe he's or counting some, net carbs. Maybe net carbs he's counting. I don't. I'm not sure there. But it's, it's a good question. But and and that this is where you know I have some patients that are vegetarian and they do low carb, and I've got one vegan that has done it, but it's very very difficult. 
Well, and I wonder if Tim switched to vegan because of the heart attack. And you certainly can't blame him because our culture has kind of drilled in us. Oh, heart attack. Oh, you've got to cut out all the red meat and you got to cut down on all these things. And I wonder if his, uh, I guess, rush to trying to get something that's healthier is actually making things worse, possibly. And it's a possibility. And then the second issue is what's the time frame that he's been doing this? Because that, that healing phase, it takes, takes a little bit of time. It takes, yeah. you know, 18 months in many cases. And it hasn't so, even been 18 yet because he just had this a year ago, he said. So, yeah. So, so the, you know, look, looking at adequate levels of protein and carbohydrate first and then, and then making sure that we're not missing something else is essential. And to answer your question about the inflammation, a ketogenic diet that's, that's truly ketogenic, uh, will lower inflammation. It is probably one of the most anti-inflammatory diets you could possibly be on, Tim. So you're definitely moving in the right direction thinking keto. Now, maybe try to make some tweaks to what you're doing. Uh, certainly, you know, write down what you're eating because uh, I think you might be getting a lot more than you're thinking you're getting. Really, truly. And this is a great question. And, and Tim is, you know, thank, thankfully, Tim is willing to kind of put this out on the table and say, hey, this is what I experienced because he's not alone in these kind of challenges and no. questions. I People come to me this way and, and this is what I do in my office. So we sit down and we, we walk through what their food journal was and I we, we identify, you know, you actually are getting more carb in this than you think you are. And they say, well, that's net carb. And we, you know, we, we have to educate them on what that means in someone who doesn't make their own insulin. And and so that's a fantastic question. Uh, and and it, it, it come, there's a lot of moving pieces to this and that's the challenge. And Tim, pick up a copy of Keto Clarity so you can see uh, the ketogenic ratios because I, I would never have 120 to 150 grams of protein um, and the carbs a little bit high. And the fact that he puts out like all these grams of things, it's more of that whole macronutrient ratio that I know you've been railing against the last few weeks, Doc. Um, oh, it, yeah. it just, it you know, we don't know how many calories uh, he's actually consuming. So I guess you could extrapolate from those. But anyway, let us know how you do, Tim. And uh, glad you're still here. Glad the heart attack uh, didn't didn't get you. But uh, let us know how you do. Well, we are up to the iTunes review portion of the show, and uh, we got a couple of really cool ones today here, Doc. JRK53 says, love all Jimmy's podcasts, but keto is not the same as LCHF. And if you're looking for more specific info on this one, uh, this is a great podcast. It's not as long as the signature Living La Vida Low Carb Show podcast, so it's easy to find time for. Jimmy and the Doc have a great interchange and augment each other with their similar but not the same knowledge, so you get many facets of each discussion. I also like that they don't rehash the same thing over and over again. If the subject's been addressed at length before, they will refer you to a previous episode. Time is valuable, and they try to address new facets of topics each episode. This one is fun to listen to, but very informative. So make sure to give it a listen, including the archives. Lots of information presented in a fun interchange between obvious friends. Oh, that was really cool. Thank you, guys. That was very nice. Thank you. And Jocelyn RM said, I love the Q&A these guys cover. I learned so much from their expertise and from the great questions that their audience asks. Also, I love the banter between these two. They obviously have a great friendship. Their fun approach to sometimes very serious subject matter only adds. Keep up the great work. I eagerly await each and every episode. 
we're, we're friends who what <laughs> does it sound like we're friends <laughs> <laughs> well guys thank you for those great reviews definitely head on over to itunes you can type in keto keto talk jimmy moore adam nally you will find keto talk and once you're there you can leave us your review and it definitely helps us out uh, I, I didn't see the number but we're we're up there well, well over 100 now We've been out there about a year. So we get about two, two, three a week. So uh, keep them coming, you guys. We really appreciate hearing from you. So that was episode 59 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. As always, head on over to KetoTalk.com for full show notes for this episode. If you missed any of the questions as we were reading them, you can go and find them there. And uh, you can also, while you're there, donate. Click on the donate button and uh, help us out. Or you can go to paypal.me slash keto talk and uh, make a donation there as well. So doc, great show today. And we'll see you again next Thursday. We'll see you next Thursday. You've been listening to keto talk with Jimmy Moore and the doc visit our website, ketotalk.com for full show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Keto Talk. We'll see you again soon. Thank you.